0: Good morning friends. Good to see everybody here today. Good day to come to church. Sunday, first day of the week. Give God our time. Give him our attention. Give him our honor, right? And sing these songs and pray these prayers that uh, hopefully bring us faith and encourage our faith along the way. So glad you're here. I'm Billy, the worship pastor. Let's stand up. We're going to sing this song called Eye of the Storm. One of our worship leaders, Adam, introduced the one this one, I don't know, a year ago or something, and uh, it's become a fun one to sing, but these words are really powerful. uh, And they're, you know, we sing uh, that uh, in the middle of the war, he guards our soul and he remains in control and he's the anchor when our sails are torn. Amen. I think maybe some people in here have some torn sails today. We all take our turn, don't we? Let's worship the Lord. Matt's gonna lead us. Here we go.
1: In the eye of the storm, you remain in control In the middle of the war You guard my soul You alone are the anchor When my sails are torn Your love surrounds me In the eye of the storm The solid ground, here we go it's The solid ground is now out i underneath my feet in the black skies and my red eyes, I can barely see. When I feel, I feel like I'm been let down by my friends and my family, I can feel the, the rain reminding me. me. In the, in the eye of the of storm, storm, you remain in control, control. In the middle of the war. And dreams I'm far from me And I'm, I'm running out of faith I see the future by the picture Slowly fade away When the tears of pain and heartache Are pouring down my face I find my peace in Jesus' name In the eye of the storm You remain in control
0: God, we clap to you. We clap because that's our prayer. And um, God, we want to be led by you. We want to go deeper. We know that you call us higher. We know that uh, you hold us accountable to our wrongdoings. And for that, we're sorry. And um, God, uh, we come into your house today asking to be cleansed, washed white as snow, forgiven our sins so we can walk in wholeness with you. God, you're, author throughout your word, uh, you're in this business of renewal, and refreshment. It seems like so many stories have these lessons of um, something that just got messed up and how you came in and fixed it. God, would you be about that business today um, all these years later after the Bible was written? Would you help us remember and look back and see how you've renewed so many different spots and areas of our life? God, uh, you call us deeper, and so uh, you call us higher, and so we'll go. Uh, Thank you, Lord. Uh, We show up today uh, for that intent and uh, to be inspired by you and the things of you in your name. Amen. God bless you guys. Glad you're here. Hey, uh, take just a moment while you're standing. Say hi to somebody around you. We'll see you back in just a second. Thanks so much.
2: Good morning. How's everyone doing today? I'm Jody Quinn, and I am our Kids Ministry Lead Director, and I'm so excited that it's almost Bible Camp time. Are you guys excited? Okay, we need to be a little more excited than that. Are we excited? So Bible Camp is such an amazing week. It's an opportunity for us to share um, Jesus with over about 500 kids um, from our church and from our community. It is June 25th through 28th this year, um, and it starts at 630 in the evening. It is for kids who are entering kindergarten through completed fifth grade. And so we are so excited that we get to tell them that God loves them, that God is with them, them, he has a plan for them, and that Jesus is alive, and it is such a great time to plant seeds. So in order to do that, we need over 300 volunteers. So we would love for you guys to join us. Um, there, we need help before Bible Camp, for um, prepping things, during Bible Camp, and then also the day after to kind of get things reset for church. So how many of you have helped with Bible Camp before? Yes, so I want to say thank you to all of you because without you, we could not do it. So we would love for you to join us again. We'd also love for those of you who haven't helped with Bible Camp before to come and join us. You can help in many different ways. Out in the lobby, hopefully you saw our amped display, right? And we, um, there is a list of different ways that you can help and that you can volunteer. There's also a list of things that we would love to have to help with decorations. You might just have around in your garage. So if you wouldn't mind taking a peek out there, grabbing one of these cards as well so that you can invite others. The best thing you could do for us is to invite your friends, people at work who have kids. We would love to have them and we would love to tell them about Jesus. So you can just, you can also go to biblecamp at hopevale.org and that will let you know. um, You can do all the registration there too for both campers and to volunteer. So. Um, I wanna take this moment, cause I don't get a chance to get out here very often, um, to thank you, those of you who are parents of our kids. Um, we just are so blessed that we get the opportunity to partner with you. So our um, goal in children's ministry is to partner with parents and families to help kids both hear and know Jesus as their savior. And it takes over 80 volunteers each service for us to be able to minister to those kids. So if you are interested in children's ministry, what we do, or maybe even um, tagging in and helping out over the summer so that our volunteers that often serve every week could get a break, meet me out in the lobby after service so I can talk to you and I would um, love to kind of give you a good fit. Um, If you are new today to to Hopevale, I just want to say thank you for being here. We are so glad that you're here today. Um, When you leave, if you go to the welcome desk, there'll be um, a small gift for you, but you can also ask any questions that you have and they'll be able to help you out. Um, At this time, I'd like to ask our ushers to come forward for the giving portion of our service. If you are um, new to us, please feel free to let the plate pass this is a time for those of us who call Hopevale our church home to give back to the Lord through our tithes and offerings. Um, I just want to thank those of you that do give to Hopevale because Bible Camp is just one way that we use your offering to love on kids and to love on our community through scholarships for kids who may not be able to um, afford it any other way. So I just want to say thank you to that. So let's pray. Lord, we, we love you and I just thank you that we have the opportunity to be here today, that we can um, lift our voices and worship, but we can also worship you in um, the things that we do and through our tithes and offerings. And so, Lord, thank you. God, I just pray that you um, help us to, to give cheerfully and to just give, abundantly, and so that we, Lord, know that you will use what we give so that we can share the love of Jesus with other people. So, God, I just, um, I thank you again for that opportunity. We love you, and we just pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thanks, Miss Jody. So, I love Bible Camp. Uh, It was my first one last year this little kid coming up on the stage, this little tiny little toddler about two years old. She didn't know she wasn't supposed to do it. She keeps coming up, keeps coming up. And finally she comes over to me on the keyboard and she she, she reaches up and she jumps up on my lap. And I'm like, okay, I'm get her on my lap. I start playing and playing and playing. And then, the, and, the, and then all these other kids start following her. Like they didn't know they couldn't come up. And so they, so they, they were, and then all these kids start like it's, like, it's like kid mosh pit on the platform. I'm like, go with it, whatever, let's do this. So we're doing it, having a fun time. And at the very end, I hold the kid up like Simba, and it was big sister act ending. It was wonderful. Bible camp, do it. So, yeah, big fan. <laughs> it's a good time. I do, I do promise that Jack Black, a.k.a. Billy Petty, might show up. It's no big deal.
1: <laughs>
0: hey, we've got a song we want to sing for you. Uh, it kind of points our hearts and leads our... Uh, our focus toward the sermon it's got this sweet line in it it says uh, all my fears and doubts they can all come to because they can't stay long when I believe that you are the way the truth the life and so it's like you bring all of yourself and all of your anxiety and all this stuff And uh, we're in this sermon series about anxiety and it's uh, really been helpful for a lot of us. So let's focus our hearts toward those things. We're gonna let you stay seated. We're gonna sing this for you one time through as just a featured element. And uh, just kind of take this in, let let this wash over you, be your prayer. We'll sing this song at the end of our service together today too, as you listen and learn. So here we go, let's give it a shot.
1: Through every Every heartbreak, every circumstance, I believe that you are my fortress, you are my portion, you are my hiding place. center you are the one
0: God, here we are. We offer ourselves. We offer you our attention. We offer you our praise. We offer you our belief. Um, It says in scripture, help my unbelief. Uh, Sometimes we have a hard time. So uh, God, help us wherever we are in life, wherever we are are in this walk. Uh, If we're having a hard time believing, but if we're believing or going through tough stuff, uh, every one of us face anxiety. So none of us are exempt. So you've got a word for every one of us today. We're paying attention. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, gang. Have a seat. you.
3: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. I'm Dan Davis, senior pastor here at Hopewell. Just a joy to share this day with you. want to welcome those of you watching us in Bay City as well this day. Uh, meeting this morning at Christy McAuliffe Middle School, and it's just a great time for me to say thanks and for us to appreciate those who are on the setup and and Teardown crew who go and and you know make that sunday happen every week in bay city so i don't know if you can hear us but we're gonna clap for you guys all right <clears throat> i hope you heard that just don't let it go to your head so um Hey, today we're going to continue our message series entitled, It Is Well. It Is Well, Finding Peace in an Anxious World. And last week, as part of this series, we talked about the importance of prayer in helping us to face our worry and anxiety. That instead of our natural responses to anxiety of either paralysis and doing nothing or panicking and trying to do everything, instead of these responses, we can do something. And that something is prayer. Prayer that God invites us in the midst of our anxiety to seek him in prayer and to call upon his help when we're facing overwhelming circumstances. See, it's the almighty God, he can do something about it, And as our Heavenly Father, He wants to do something about it. So in the face of anxiety, prayer needs to be our first response and not our last resort because the practice of prayer leads us to the promise of peace. The practice of prayer leads us to the promise of peace, that there is a supernatural peace that is beyond human explanation that God longs to pour out upon us as we seek Him in prayer about anything and everything that's going on in our lives. Now, I was reminded about it this past week in a rather unexpected way. When I was reading a sports article, it was following the winner-take-all game seven Finals of the Western Conference in the NBA between the Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets. Now, the Golden State Warriors are the defending champs. They were favored in this game, but after a poorly played first half, they were down by 11 points. And so as they're regrouping in the locker room before the second half, sports writer Marcus Thompson described what he saw going on with Warriors star player Steph Curry. Uh, This is what he wrote. He said that Curry in the locker room pulled out his phone. He needed to refocus, harness his thoughts, quiet his mind. And so he opened up the Bible app on his phone and read Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, it's the exact same passage we looked at last week when we talked about prayer and peace in the midst of our own anxiety. See, whether we are a star NBA player in a high-stakes situation who much obviously be catching our services online, right? <laughs> or maybe not, right? Or maybe whether we're just an average Jane or Joe in Saginaw, Michigan, struggling to pay next month's rent. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 needs to be our go-to promise for all situations. Here's what it says. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Hey, let's say that together. Say this with me. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Well done. Now to be honest, I don't think God cares who wins or loses sports games. But in this case, things did turn around for the Warriors. They went from 11 down at half to eventually winning the game by nine. And Steph Curry's strong and steady performance in the second half was a big part of why that happened. But what I loved about this story as I read it is that it intersected with what I was trying to communicate to you last week about God's invitation for us to pray. From Philippians 4 6 and 7. That even despite our inexperience or intimidation, this verse tells us that any place is the right place to pray. Any place, any location, locker room, classroom, office cubicle, you name it. And any situation is the right situation to pray about. There's nothing too small, nothing too insignificant. We're not bothering God when we pray. And any words are the right words to pray. So don't be intimidated. And any amount of faith is the right amount of faith you need. Because God wants us to come to Him as we are, not as we think we ought to be. Right? Just come as we are. In His grace, He hears, He listens. Now, Philippians four six and seven doesn't guarantee fairy tale endings, but it does promise us something even better: peace, God's peace, a supernatural peace that transcends all understanding, a peace that will guard our hearts. That is what we feel, and will guard our minds. What we think from the subtle and savage attacks of worry and anxiety. And so, as we continue to live in this fallen and frightening world of ours, I hope that we will specifically, sincerely, and seriously pray about our anxieties. That we'll pray, our, pray about our anxieties, and as we do, God will hear and answer our prayers and pour out his peace. Well, as we move on today, I, I want to share something rather eye-opening that I came across recently as part of the reading I've done for this series. Uh, See, in addition to digging into the scriptures, I've also wanted to plant a foot in the issues of today. In, In 2018, and all those increasing trends about anxiety that I shared with you in the opening message, and perhaps the most fascinating thing I've read came from an extensive study done in the UK called Status of Mind status of mind conducted by the royal society for public health the focus of the study was this social media in the state of young people's mental health and well-being social media in the state of young people's mental health and well-being and while this study was done in the uk and not the us and while the focus was those in their teens and 20s not all across every age population, I still think that most of what they've discovered is relevant to every single one of us in here and the world we live in today. Here's what they said. That social media has become a space in which we form and build relationships. It's where we shape self-identity. It's where we express ourselves and where we learn about the world around us that social media is intrinsically linked to mental health. Both positively and negatively here's what they found that one in six young people teens and 20s in the UK will experience an anxiety disorder at some point in their lives in the US that ratio is even higher they identified ranks uh, rates of anxiety and depression in young people have increased 70 percent over the last 25 years 70 percent that's a staggering number That 91% of young people, 16 to 24, regularly use social media, and yet that same group said that four of the five most used social media platforms actually make their feelings of anxiety worse. Four of the five platforms they use make them more anxious. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, all of them. The only exception was YouTube which I guess just shows the healing power of a good cat video, right? You know, I, I don't know. <laughs> Further research also suggests that uh, young people who are heavy users of social media two or more hours a day are more likely to report mental health and psychological distress, symptoms of anxiety, depression, poor sleep, things like that. Social media addiction is thought to affect around 5% of young people, and some researchers describe social media as being more addictive than cigarettes and alcohol. And then finally, much like we read about here in the States, cyberbullying is a growing problem there as well, with seven in ten young people saying they've experienced some form of it personally, which you can imagine what that does to anxious feelings, right? And I could go on and on with the findings. You can actually link to the study in a really good three-minute video they produced. You can get to that in our message notes. But what I appreciated most about the study is this, is that they didn't unrealistically suggest that we need to do away with the Internet and social media altogether. Right? No, they simply recognized that social media can be both positive and negative and so as long as we live in the reality of this world a, w- a world that's not going away anytime soon what is it that we can do to lessen the negative effects while also encouraging the positive ones now I got to tell you personally that even though I live in the U.S. and not the U.K. and even though I'm in my 50s and not my teens and 20s and even though I'm not a heavy social media user like those described in the survey I got to admit that there are times when social media can make me anxious and, and can even make me feel depressed, really. Now, you'd think us pastors would be immune to that, right, that we've got all our act all together, but if my guard is down and my emotions are raw, all it takes is just one post about how that church over there is, is bigger or how that one pastor over there is better, you know, and I just, wow. Wow. It's yucky to say, but if that's my experience as an adult, can you imagine what it's like for our teens, for our young adults in their 20s, when you've essentially grown up with this stuff and the world that you've only known and ever known is a world saturated with social media? A world where, you know, everyone else's life comes across as perfect, right? Right? Good looks, great bod, lots of friends, fun times, big parties, madly in love with Mr. or Ms. Perfect, hashtag blessed, right, you know, and it's just overwhelming while your life feels lonely, empty. I mean, how could you not get anxious and be worried? I mean, I, I think for, for those of us who are older, we need to care for We need to pray for our teens and and young people in this church. I mean, this is something that we never had to face growing up, but it's a legit challenge. It really is. But let's be clear about something else. This kind of pressure isn't just a young people problem. It's an all people problem. See, whether you grew up in the 50s, with cigarette ads, whether you grew up in the 70s with car ads, or whether you grew up in the 90s with Nike ads, right? Marketers have always played upon our anxieties, have always tried to create in us a sense of dissatisfaction. You know, there's actually a term for that now, right? FOMO, F-O-M-O, have you heard of this? Fear of missing out. Fear of missing out. That everyone else is living life and having a blast while you're out in the cold and stuck with a boring and meaningless existence. See, when that's going on, that's certainly a recipe for anxiety. And so regardless of our age, regardless of our stage of life, how do we combat these anxious thoughts from getting the best of us? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. And to do that, we're going to go back to Philippians chapter 4. Back to Philippians chapter 4, the same book and chapter of the New Testament we looked at last week, where the Apostle Paul is encouraging and instructing anxious people in a worried church. Now, I've already seen one of the ways he does that, the encouragement for us to pray in the midst of our anxieties. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, one more time, just to drill this into your heads, right? Be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. But then, right after that, he follows it up with these words, verse eight. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things that if we are going to find peace in an anxious world, then it's not just a matter of praying well, but it's also a matter of thinking well. Thinking well. Now, in a moment, I'm going to have us walk through these whatevers that are part of this verse that we're supposed to think about. But before we do, I I first want to touch on a few things about anxiety in our thought life, right? And I'm going to say up front, I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not a neurologist who specializes in brain chemistry, and I'm not a trained psychologist or psychiatrist either. So there is a sophistication to this discussion that is well beyond my area of expertise, okay? So let's just make that clear. But even still, I I do want to make a few comments here, and I think I get to as a pastor with an advanced degree in theology and and studying the Bible. Now, if you were here last week in May for weeks one and weeks two, we talked about four foundations that we were going to take into this series, four assumptions, and I want to comment on a couple of them here. You know, one, I said that anxious people aren't always faithless people, right? Anxious people aren't always faithless people. Meaning that when we give advice to someone else like, you know, try harder, believe more, doubt less, that those aren't always simple solutions to our anxiety. Like I said back then, while a lack of faith could be the cause of our anxiety, a lack of faith doesn't automatically mean it must be the cause of our anxiety, right? And the reasons that that true leads to this other point that there are no magic fixes for our anxiety, No magic fixes that we as people created in the image of God, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. God has woven together our body, soul, mind, and spirit to make us these complex and yet also whole and complete people. Which means that what? That the physical, the mental, the emotional, the spiritual, the social sides of who we are, they're all interrelated, right? They're all wrapped together. They're not these separate categories or distinct boxes. No. for instance, you know, our emotions, they can affect our thinking. Or our relational world socially can impact our inner world spiritually. It's all intertwined. That's what it means for us to be human. So going back to Philippians 4, when Paul commands us to think about such things, he's given us a positive step, no doubt about it, but it's not a magic fix, Right? That somehow it's going to be through your willpower, through your positive thinking and mind control that you're going to think your way out of anxiety forever and ever, amen. That's not how it works. Worry and anxiety are far more complicated than that. And so when you wake up in the middle of the night because you're stressed out about something, it's naive to think that you're simply going to think your way out of it, right? Just like that. If you're someone who is generally wrestling with an anxiety disorder, it doesn't automatically mean that you must be disobeying this passage and doing something wrong. So we need to make sure we're not being simplistic about the connection between anxiety and our thought life. But having said that, I also don't want us to be fatalistic and think that this passage is worthless because it's not. It's not. No, while you might not be totally in control of how and when things pop into your head, right? This passage also tells you that you're not a helpless victim. You and I, we are not helpless victims. There are commitments we can make. There are some choices we can do. There is some work we can do to combat against our anxiety in this case. It's a matter of us purposefully and proactively choosing what we think about. Purposefully and proactively choosing what we think about. That's what Paul's getting at here in Philippians 4.8. And this kind of advice is worth its weight in gold. So let's go back there again and and read it one more time. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The command is this, fix your mind, direct your thoughts, make the choice to dwell upon those things that will lead you toward peace and away from anxiety, now, as we go through this list of descriptive words, I also want us to keep in mind that there's a second unstated list that's filled with the opposites, right? In other words, there are things in life that aren't true, that aren't noble, that aren't right, that aren't pure, that aren't lovely. And so, yes, we need to spend more time thinking about the things that are on this list, positive things that are going to lead us to peace. But then it also implies that we, implies that we should spend less time Choosing to think on those second things on this unstated list of negative things that are going to lead us toward worry and anxiety. Make sense? So let's talk about a few of these, right? Like like the first one, whatever is true. Whatever is true. Now, first and foremost, the almighty, eternal, everlasting God is truth himself, right? Right? He's truth himself, that everything that conforms to actual reality in the seen and the unseen world finds its source in him. And God has revealed his truth to us through the living word, Jesus Christ, who says of himself in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, right? But then God has also revealed his truth to us through the written word, the Bible, so that the more time we spend worshiping Jesus, the more time we choose to immerse ourselves in scripture, we are living out this passage about what it practically means to think about such things that are true. Conversely, this is also where consuming massive amounts of social media can mess with our minds and make us anxious, just like that study said. And so we get out our phones, right, just nonstop, and we're taking in all these images, all these words, all these messages, some of which are not true. They're not true. And when I say they're not true, I'm not talking about the Russians. I'm not talking about fake news, okay? No, I'm talking about something seemingly harmless, like an Instagram post. Well, Pastor Dan, you know, it, it's a picture, so it's got to be true, right? No, it doesn't. You know pictures can be staged, edited, photoshopped to present, quote-unquote, normal life in the best light possible, even if it isn't exactly the way things really are. And so you got someone doing a body pose, Not only can the picture be manipulated digitally, but a constant barrage of these that we're taking in can really get us to believe that the most important thing about who we are is the way we look. The most important thing to who we are is the way we look. Listen, people, that's just not true. Men, women, boys, girls, young, old, that is simply not true. But wow, if you're insecure about your body image and you're constantly drinking all this stuff in, it's going to lead you away from the truth, and it is going to make you more anxious. No, you know what the truth says? The truth says this, that you are fully loved, you are fully accepted by God because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, that is the most important thing about who you are. A place of confidence, a place of peace, not a place of insecurity and anxiety. And that's just one application from this passage. Take another word, like noble or admirable. You know, words that kind of feel a little old-fashioned and out of date today. But to me, words like these are aspirational words. They're role model words. They're words that help us rightly answer the question, who do I want to be when I grow up, right? What kind of person am I becoming? Where is my life heading? What do I value more, riches or respect? doing the popular thing, or doing the right thing. Listen, in the end, we're all gonna leave some kind of legacy with our lives, and quite frankly, that legacy starts with the thoughts we sow and the choices we make. And then, of course, you got a word like pure. Pure, which speaks specifically towards sexual morality and warns us against sexual immorality. I don't think I need to tell you that the access to and volume of sex, sexually explicit images and videos is greater now than ever before. And again, what we visually take in, what we choose to, to think about, not just affects us mentally, but also emotionally and physically and spiritually and socially, right? Now you might be thinking, come on, Dan, you know, what is something like online pornography and viewing that? How does that make us anxious, right? What I do in the privacy of my own home is my own business, Right? Well, beyond the fact that it goes against God's will clearly for our sexuality, it goes against how he's designed you as a human. I can also tell you that after years of counseling guys pastorally, I've seen their anxiety of being controlled by something they can't stop. I've also seen the worry that shame produces and the fear of getting caught. Listen, there's a simple piece of wisdom that not only applies to here, but to really every area of our lives. It goes something like this. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Just because you can doesn't mean you you should. Just because you are able to access images like these on your phone, on your tablet, on your computer, doesn't mean it's going to be for your best, right? Whatever is pure. Let me touch on one more, and then we'll begin to wrap up. So right there at the end, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Let me ask you something. Does your mind tend toward the positive or toward the negative? Do you lean more optimistically or pessimistically? You know, we all tend to lean in one direction or the other. And I think a lot of that, though, is based on our wiring as unique individuals. And some of the things that influence that were out of our control, like our nature, like our nurture. We didn't choose our parents. We didn't choose the homes we grew up in, right? And so you might naturally see the glass half empty. And you might have grown up in an extremely critical and unstable home. These things you couldn't control, but also things that God doesn't hold against you. See, by the same token, God also tells us that we don't have to keep on living with that kind of negativity. Where you're surrounded by things that aren't excellent, that aren't praiseworthy. That's why when it comes to our thought life, a big part of the choices we make has to do with the company we keep. The company we, Are most of the people around me positive and encouraging, or are they negative and discouraging? Are they building me up, or are they tearing me down? Now, I'm not talking about flattery and surrounding yourself with people who just tell you what you want to hear all the time, but let's face it. The constant words of critical people, of negative people, can dominate our thoughts, can make us anxious, and can lead us to some pretty dark places. I'm no good. Nobody likes me. Things are never going to change. Now, again, I know we can't completely control who we're around, you know, friends, classmates, work partners, extended family, but we do have some say in the matter. So take an inventory of the people you spend time with, right? have the courage to identify those certain individuals where on a constant basis you're always feeling more anxious after being with them, right? Because chances are they're not helping you think about those things that are excellent and praiseworthy. So finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things our choices matter they really do and so while there are going to be those times when anxious thoughts and feelings blindsight us out of nowhere it's going to happen it doesn't mean we're helpless victims no look at this passage philippians 4:8, and make the choices to choose to think about such things so how do we take this passage then all we've looked at and put it into practice in our lives How do we make it more of a reality for us? How can thinking well help us find peace in this anxious world of ours? Well, in terms of a specific homework assignment for me to give you, I I think this passage is a great example of you just picking out one thing you work on and you making that one thing your focus this week, this week and beyond, just one thing. And since there are hundreds of you here, No two of you are alike, so what that one thing is going to be for you is going to be different than the person next to you. It's going to vary between us. There's no one-size-fits-all solution for all of us. But having said that, I do think there are a couple basic questions we can ask ourselves to help us find our one thing, to help us think well. So here they are. Where in my thought life do I need to stop, do less, or take a break? Stop, do less, or take a break, or start do more, and give it a try. In order what? In order to experience more peace and less anxiety. So for instance, when it comes to stop, do less, or take a break, let me give you a few examples. Here's something you might do. Go on a social media fast. You know, I wonder what would happen to the state of our mind and the health of our soul if we're just willing to put our phones down once and again and take a break from social media, right? And maybe we define it ahead of time, a certain set amount of time. This isn't a rule, but it's a suggestion. I mean, think about it. Do you think taking a break would make you a better person or a worse person, would help or hurt your thought life? And so maybe it's just identifying a block of time during the week, kind of like a mini Sabbath, where you're going to take a break. Or maybe it's a commitment that before bed, instead of the last thing you do before hitting... You know, your head hitting the pillow is looking at the screen, which again, research has have defined direct correlation between that and, and poor sleep and anxious thoughts, right? And maybe there's a little pause right, between that and when you go to bed. Right? So maybe go on a social media fast. But lest you think I'm just picking on younger people, here's my second idea. If you're older, cut back on the cable news, Okay. You know, I can see it, you know, you're up in years, but don't get out, you know, how high and mighty and how you're not on social media, right, and you don't have the problems like young people, because you can't even turn on your phone half the time, right? So (laughs) let's just kind of bring this down to reality, okay? Seriously, though, this whole cable news thing, talk about something that'll get you worked up and make you worry. Why? Because the entire industry thrives on crisis, doesn't it? I mean, it's pretty absurd what qualifies as breaking news these days. And so if this past week, the thing you thought about more than anything else was Roseanne Barr and what she tweets and her, you know, her show being canceled, I'm just going to tell you, step away from the TV and take a break, right? That stuff, constantly drinking in, is going to work us out. We do have a choice about what we think about. What we obsess over, right? Third, stop feeding impure thoughts. You know, a little more seriously here. You know, under no circumstances should a Christ follower ever be viewing online pornography of any kind, right? No way. And I say that not to guilt you. I say that to warn you and to help you with your thought life with your anxiety. And so if you're someone who has gone past the curiosity stage and really have moved more towards the addiction stage, reach out to help. Talk to a trusted friend. Talk to one of us on staff. Talk to a counselor, right? Get some help. They'll guarantee you if you're there, there's a tie to your worry and anxiety. And then finally, avoid gossips, hotheads, and negative people. The reason I picked those three groups is all three groups are talked about in the book of Proverbs and the negative influence they can have on our lives. And that includes our thought lives. Why? Because gossips aren't true. Hotheads aren't noble. Negative people aren't admirable. And so to the best of our ability, we need to watch the time we spend, right? And not get caught up in their drama. Because their drama, I guarantee you, is going to make you anxious, and mess with your mind listen we are not helpless victims we do get to make choices and so these stop do less or take a break suggestions are just some of the things we can do but then on the positive side and i'll close with this there are also things we can start right we can do more we can give it a try and the first is to memorize scripture Memorize scripture. Begin with Philippians 4, 6, and 7. You know, if we are to think about such things that will lead us toward peace and away from anxiety, then those kind of thoughts need to be readily accessible in our minds. Now, I know when I say something like memorize scripture, half of you are thinking, I can't do it, while the other half of you are thinking, don't make me do it, right? <laughs> this isn't a punishment, okay? Okay. But let's face it, some of us will so readily follow quote-unquote expert advice on diet and fitness, and we'll do some crazy and impossible things because of it, right? Well, in the same way, I am telling you, I am guaranteeing you that memorizing Scripture and being able to recall the truth and beauty of God's Word will help you with your anxiety. And if you need a place to start, take the passage about prayer that we looked at last week. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 that tells us not to be anxious about anything but to pray about every situation, right? Because the peace of God will flood our minds and flood our hearts. You know, even this past week, just true confessions. I woke up in the middle of the night, right? A lot of things on my mind just kind of stressed out. And I forced myself to go to this passage, to recite it in my mind, and then to put it into practice by offering up a prayer to God about everything that I was thinking about, right? Any time, any place, any location, any words, any faith, right? Memorize scripture. Begin with Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I'd encourage you to do the same. Related to that, read and review Bible promises about peace. That in addition to memorization, it's also helpful just to read through what God promises to us as his children in Jesus Christ. A couple weeks ago, Kathy found a great resource by a, a Christian author and speaker, Rebecca Lyons. She's put together a list of 30 Bible verses that speak to our anxiety. We've linked to that resource in our message notes. You can also see the link on the screen there. I'd encourage you to track that down. The third, listen and sing to worship music. Right. I'm so grateful for our worship ministries here at Hopewell both in Saginaw and in Bay City. Pastor Billy, Stephanie, and their teams do such a great job in leading us in songs that are rooted in Scripture and point us to the hope we have in Jesus Christ. It's tremendous. And, you know, music has this powerful way of speaking to both our heads and our hearts. And so even beyond your Sunday worship experience, find time during the week to listen to, to sing along with songs of worship that are going to grow your faith and are going to deepen your love for God. And then finally, spend face-to-face time with encouraging people. Face-to-face time. Now, like that status of mind study said, social media has become a space in which we form and build relationships. I do believe social media can be used for the good. Reach out to friends, share encouraging words, right? But in addition to that, we also need some of this, don't we? We need some of this. We need to see faces. We need to hear voices. We need to feel emotions. We need to provide supportive and appropriate human touches. Why? Because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Because the physical, mental, social, spiritual, emotional sides of who we are that make us human are all woven together. We'll talk more about this next week. But make the choice to be with encouraging people. So what's your thing? What's your one thing this week? To stop, to do less of, to take a break from? Or to start, or to do more of, or to give it a try, right? We're in all different places, all different stages in our spiritual journey, but whatever it is, make the choice to do something that's going to help you think well. Because as you continue to sow thoughts that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, and excellent and praiseworthy, that as you build that kind of thought life, you will, by the grace of God, find greater peace in this anxious world of ours. You will. So let's pray. God, that's what we want. We want minds that are more consumed by your peace than our anxieties. And like I said in the message, we know that thoughts come out of nowhere and we get blindsided by worry, right? So we're not immune, but we're not victims either. And so God, show us what specific steps we can do to build our thought life, to line up with this passage, to seek what is true noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, that our minds would think more on these things, conforming our hearts, our minds, our emotions, our lives to your will on earth as it is in heaven. God, especially for those in this room dealing with incredibly anxious thoughts, may your peace prevail in their lives. Guard their heart. Guard their mind in Christ Jesus. You promise that. We claim that because, God, you are greater. You are stronger than anything we'll ever face. So that's our prayer, and we seek you, Jesus, because you are the way, the truth, and the life. Amen.
0: Yeah, let's get up. Through every battle,
1: through every heartbreak, through every circumstance, I believe that you are my fortress, you are my portion, you are my high.
3: I hope if you came in weighted, burdened, anxious, worried, that God has given you a new horizon. A new horizon in Jesus because He is the way and the truth and the life. And He is that for you now, always, and forever. Hey, next week we're going to continue our series about the power of a church family and what it means to care well for each other. But as you go from here, may you walk in the way of Jesus Christ. God bless you.